0: Welcome back. This is episode five, and today we are going to talk about comedy structure, specifically the rule of three. Originally, this podcast was meant to explore comedy, comedy theory, history, and whatnot, and I got hijacked into trying to be funny, which isn't a bad thing. I it's good to play around sometimes, but and I'll get back to that eventually as well. But for now, I wanted to explore one of the fundamentals of comedy. The golden rule, as it were. Now, before I get started, I want to point out that I realize when you pick away a comedy, you destroy the funny parts. It's like when you learn a magic trick and you end up going, oh, oh, it's done with scotch tape. Oh, that's lame. It's, it's always disappointing when you find out how magic is done. Uh, and it's like... You know, you're at Disneyland and you sneak into one of the trailers behind the scenes and then you catch Mickey Mouse headless and you he turns out to be a middle-aged short dude with a cigarette dangling from his lips and he's hocking up a loogie. Or it's like dissecting a bunny to find out what makes her so cute. Dissecting comedy is going to destroy what makes it funny. It, it, kind of like you explaining a joke. It kind of destroys... Well, okay, if you explain the joke, it wasn't funny anyway. But yeah, if you like to enjoy comedy, if you like to enjoy humor, and you don't want to be distracted by what's lying underneath, then you probably don't want to listen to this podcast. But if you're interested in how things are made, uh, what, what goes into it, this may be interesting. So today's show is about an element of comedy that's been around for thousands of years and is still relevant today. And that is the number three. Three is the smallest number of sides a polygon can have. Circles don't count. They're not polygons. They don't belong. They're like Pluto. Pluto's not a planet. Circles are not polygons. And also in the Holy Trinity, you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost, but uh, they're all the same, but they're all separate, and it's a mystery, and you're really not supposed to question unless you want to be more confused. In pagan lore, they have the three phases of the maiden the mother and the crone the, th- the three main phases of life and a tripod a tripod what is a tripod is the smallest number of poles a structure can have for stability baseball three strikes and you're out on your kitchen table knife fork and spoon in volleyball bump set spike and a raise, ready set go three is everywhere And even a story. A story has to have a beginning, middle, and an end just by virtue of a story begins and it ends and there's stuff that happens. So, uh, essentially, it's three parts. In joke writing and in physical comedy, too, there are often three elements in the structure of a joke or or the gag. So why is that? At the fundamentals of almost every comedy... At the fundamentals of almost all comedy is a surprise or a twist. It's a subversion of reality that makes people see things in a different way. You lead them down a path of normalcy and then derail them from where their thinking had been headed. It's kind of like a magic trick. Misdirection is key to so many jokes. So when you you have three, so what does this have to do with the number three? Expectations are set by assumptions. Assumptions are set by our brain's ability to quickly discern patterns. If something happens once, it's an isolated incident. If it happens twice, you've established a pattern. Look at it this way. What do dogs say? They say, woof, woof. What do pigs say? Oink, oink. Chickens say, cluck, cluck. But imagine if you looked at your dog and he said, woof, woof, oink. In essence, that's a joke. And also a meal ticket. If your dog is bilingual, you can make a lot of money with your own oinking dog YouTube channel. It would at least be more entertaining than 14-year-olds opening boxes. But I digress. How about a chicken saying, cluck, cluck, woof. Or a pig saying, oink, oink, can I see your license and registration? Did you see the pattern? Of course, I had three examples of the rule of three, but I also did a three on top of the three. Because I did three jokes in a row, if you can call them jokes. I mean, I think the dog would be amused, and the chicken. But uh, I did three threes. I I set an expectation of the first two jokes. It's animal, animal, different animal sound. Animal, animal, different animal sound. Then animal, animal. And then I changed it to make a play not on the farm animal noises, but a play on different usages of the word pig. So the third joke broke the pattern of expectation of animal noises and instead played on the association of pig with police officer. And, you know, my my wife laughs at me since when I oink. My wife laughs at me since I oink when I see police on the road. But we both know that if one pulled me over, I'd be all like, yes, sir, officer, and no, sir, officer. And how may I be of service, officer? I'm really kind of a wuss. I'm a coward. But I like to play big and bold when I'm a, a, a driving uh, a steering wheel warrior. So anyway, the rule of three. <laughs> Let's set my cowardice aside for now. Uh, the rule of three. Uh, basic comedy structure. Introduce a premise. Move the premise into a predictable direction. And then change the direction. Let's look at some classics. Uh, so, For instance, the classic genie joke. The genie joke's... Yeah, it's built in uh, from the story of uh, 1001 Arabian Nights, Aladdin finds the lamp. The genie gives him three wishes. The genie jokes always follow the pattern of three wishes. First of all, it's familiar, but second of all, it, it follows the rule of three. And usually the first one is I wish I had lots of money. The second of which is usually I... Wish I had a beautiful woman or a nice house or a nice car, whatever it is. And the third one, something different happens unexpectedly. Uh, One of the ones I remember from high school, uh, sorry, elementary school. Um, It was during a simpler time when everyone was singing uh, TV commercial jingles. Just to give a little background to the history of this joke. And the genie, the guy's on an island, finds the genie, the guy wishes for to be off the island. The second wish he wishes to have a kajillion dollars. And then he's driving along in his fancy sports car, wind blowing through his air convertible. And he's just singing happily to himself. I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. And uh, you can imagine um, that that was hilarious to a fourth grader. Uh, And then there's the one about the guy walks into a bar with a box inside the box is a very small piano and with a little man who plays the piano and the bartender asks what's that about and he says well it's like this i was on a deserted island uh i found a genie in a bottle first wish get me off the island second wish i want a kajillion dollars third wish and the bartender says yeah yeah and the guy says well do you really think i asked for a 12 inch pianist Each one of those jokes, you expect the person to wish for something sensibly and get something sensible. Something sensible, wish for something sensibly, get something sensible. Third time, he asks for something and gets a different result. He gets something that is not literally what he had wanted, hence the comedy. Uh, The Three Stooges. I mean the three uh, right there built in. You have three guys: the mean one, the middle guy, and the dumb one. And you, of course, everyone loves the dumb one. Uh, Curly is my favorite, but uh, I, I was never really that into the Stooges. A little violent for my taste, but uh, but they do illustrate the rule of three very well. Um, you know, this shit always flows downstream. It's like the, the guy on top hits the, the second guy, the second guy hits the third guy, and the third guy turns and slaps at the empty air. <coughs> there, There's the assumption you, know, you get used to the pattern. One slap is just one slap. One slap and then a second slap, you have a pattern. Third slap is not a slap, but it's a like an air ball. Curly just swings at the empty air. It You know what his intention was. But he ends up doing something completely ineffective, and he's frustrated because he just got slapped and he has no recourse. Of course, I, I think the way the, the stooges worked is he'd turn around and slap Larry and then Larry wouldn't slap Mo, but Larry would slap Curly, and then Mo would Moe would have to break them apart with a big bunk on the head or something. Um it was all very violent. Uh very funny for a uh eight-year-old. Uh the first peanut strip ever was a rule of three. Um, Sherman and Patty. Sherman and Patty, uh, two characters that aren't really around anymore. Um, there was a... Or was it Sally? October 2nd, 1950. The first peanut strip ever. Sherman and Patty are sitting on the curb. I think it's Patty. It may be Sally. Uh, it's a character that got changed later on. Um... But in any case, and Sherman, I don't think he, he lasted long. I don't think he made it out of the 1950s. Um, in any case, uh, Sherman and Patty are sitting on a curb. Uh, they're watching Charlie Brown as he walks towards them uh, to pass by. Sherman says to Patty, here comes Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown gets closer. Yes, sir. Good old Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown passes him. How I hate him. One, two, three. And interestingly, that's actually a four gag. It was a four panel strip, but it works as spoken. It works as three drawn out. It actually works better as four. And you you can look, you can Google it and look for yourself. Uh, I, I think just the pacing of uh, the the visible approach of the character um, is, is illustrated better at four. And I think also in the 1950s, around that time, uh, cartoons were more four panels than three. Uh, I think a, a lot of them work with three nowadays because it, it's just so convenient for comedy. Um, what else? Was there? Oh, ethnic jokes. Ethnic jo- jokes, almost always, uh, I, mean, I can't say almost always, many, many, many of them follow the very familiar pattern of three because there's always the white guy, the American, and another similar white guy, like uh, like an Englishman or a Frenchman. And then there's the third guy who's usually uh ethnic in some way and therefore stupider than the white guys. Um, this is the seventies and eighties. It was a different time um, but it illustrates very well <coughs> it illustrates very well the the uh, Um, there's, there's a built in the, the, the two white guys do things the right way or a sensible way. And then the ethnically stupid guy always does things in a funny way. And, and it's, it's funnier when you juxtapose, I mean, you could juxtapose one guy against the stupid guy, but if you juxtapose one guy against this, just the other guy who's stupid, maybe the stupid guy has a point, but you reinforce the first guy's, Uh, the first guy's uh point of view by having the second guy have a very similar point of view so that makes it stronger when the third guy does things in the different way in the other way so yeah I, i guess we can look into some uh some of my favorite jokes over the years um and just kind of look at how the the rule of three enters into them. There's one of my all-time favorite Emo Phillips jokes. So I'm going to say it and then I'm going to dissect it to take all the joy out of it. Emo. And if you don't know who Emo Phillips is, oh my God, you're missing out. The, he's, he was best known in the, like, the mid-80s to the mid-90s, but he's still touring. He's actually coming to Washington, D.C. this weekend. Um, uh, this is in uh it'll be august of twenty eighteen um, and uh so yeah anyway, this is his joke uh I go from stools I go from stool to stool in singles bars, hoping to get lucky, but there's never any gun I go from stool to stool in singles bars, hoping to get lucky, but there's never gum under any of them. I'll, I'll wait till you stop laughing. It's actually his his delivery is impeccable. I'm just giving it in a bland manner to illustrate the the joke itself. did you Did you hear the rule of three in there? I go from stool to stool in singles bars. That's very succinctly creating a setting. You can see in your mind where he is. Hoping to get lucky. Okay, that's the action. That's his motivation. And that kind of helps paint the picture better. And it also delivers the assumption that he's going from stool to stool in the singles bar, hoping to get lucky with a lady to engage in carnal activities, so to speak. Because getting lucky means to have fornication. Fucking. Fucking. Okay, now I have to check that box on the on the Apple site so that this is uh, PG thirteen or whatever it whatever it is. Um, anyway, um, uh, so he's he's hoping to get lucky, but lucky has more than one meaning. So when there's never any gum under any of them, you realize he's not looking for sex; he's looking for gum. In his worldview, that's actually it fits his character very well. But it's a one, two, three. Uh, you got the setting, you got the, the reinforcement of the setting and what he's doing there, hoping to get lucky. And then breaking the pattern, breaking the assumption is never any gum under any of them. Um, another classic from the 1980s, Stephen Wright. If you have not heard of Stephen Wright and you're in comedy, shame on you. Um, I think he's still touring as well. He was at Dover Downs a couple of years ago. I missed that show and I'm... Uh, uh, yeah kind of kicking myself about that but he's a very deadpan comedian and one show back in the 80s he started out he just opened up, up walked up to the microphone and said here's my impression of bowling gutter and that was the joke (laughs) Again, uh, I don't know how this is coming across on a podcast versus in front of a live audience and me versus Stephen Wright's delivery. But it's, you you introduce the premise. Here's my impression of Bowling. You support the premise by doing the impression. And the way, oh, and also, I don't know how it came through on this microphone. He had a standard stand-up comedy microphone that he worked out how his breath would sound. It sounds like, a bowling ball against the wood in a bowling alley. And then you expect him to do, yeah, some sort of sound of the ball against the pins crashing. And instead it just stops. And he says gutter, which changes your expectation. It supports the premise and it was a neat, you know, introduce the premise impression of bowling middle, the sound building the anticipation and then breaking the expectation gutter the third part is just the word gutter. This applies to physical comedy too. And one of my favorites of uh, Bill Irwin, one of my heroes, uh, he had a show in the early 1980s called uh, a Regard of, uh, The Regard of Flight. And I think he changed it at one point to A Regard uh, on a revival. It still confuses me. Uh, anyway, the, the original was The Regard of Flight. And he's kind of a, a an everyman who did a lot of silent comedy. Uh, and he's in pers- he's being pursued by a critic, a theater critic is chasing him around the stage. And as he runs across the stage, he gets to the middle of the stage and he stumbles. He trips over something and stumbles. And he runs around again, second time around. He s- trips and stumbles on the exact same spot. And then the third time, he's running full speed, but he... he pauses, steps over that spot and tries to continue running and falls flat on his face. It's a one, two, three visual gag. And if he had tripped, if he'd stumbled once and then fallen down, would not have been as strong as had he, what he did is he developed a pattern of one, two. Oh, every time he comes to that point of the stage, he's going to trip because I've seen it twice already. And the third time it happens very differently. Because he, he as his character saw it happen. And so he he had learned from his mistakes. We see he's learned from his mistake as he steps over that spot of the stage and still boom he's flat on the stage. Um I think I'm going to just finish this out, not with any great lesson, but with one of my favorite stories, story jokes, I should say. It's about the three cowboys. And stop me if you've heard it. No, don't stop me. I'm going to give an outro at the end. (laughs) Um, So, uh, yeah, three cowboys are there on the prairie. There's a campfire going. They got their horses parked over to the side and set up camp for the night. And they're passing the time around the fire by telling stories. And one of them just says, you know... You see these scars on my, my leg? As from last year. I was walking around and through the brush and there was a rattlesnake and it clamped its jaws right on my ankle, starting pumping the, its poison right into my leg. And I just tore that thing off my leg and I bit off its head and I put my mouth against its and I sucked out all this poison and spit the poison right down the throat of the snake and it just shriveled up. And the second cowboy says, huh, yeah. You you see this hangnail I have? Last week, there was a herd of stampeding bison. And I just stood in front of that entire stampede, and I stared down the biggest, fiercest, meanest one of the bunch. And I just hailed back, and I walloped that bison right square in the nose and as it went down the others just stopped in their tracks because they knew they were next and the third cowboy just stood there by the fire slowly stirring the coals with his penis thanks for tuning in another podcast next wednesday thanks for If you have a comment or a request about this podcast, please leave it below and I'll try to incorporate it into a future podcast. Take care and hope to podcast at you next week. This is Rich Potter signing off.